Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What is up? It is your boy, Johnny Mags, back at you once again for another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am joined, as always, with Dan Garcia. And we are finally live in studio at Halo Haven headquarters. It's been uh, it's been a while, right? Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, we had a little bit of spring cleaning, or if you want to say summer cleaning. So, um, yeah, nice to be back in the friendly confines of Halo Haven. Yeah, so I'm sure that uh, Chris Securator Johnson, he is here as well. And we have a special guest uh, we'll introduce him in a little bit. Second so half. I think of the it's gonna show. be our first in studio live interview that we've done. All our interviews have been taped and edited and everything uh-huh. like that, and now it's gonna be whatever happens happens, and it's just gonna be out there. Yeah, and uh, so we got a special guest coming in the second half of the show. But just like the uh, baseball season, we're heading into the second half of the season. There was a few games that the Angels played before they headed into the All Star break, and that was a three game set second round of the uh, Freeway Series against the Dodgers. Didn't go as well as we would hope of, but I mean, at least they took one. Let's just quickly recap that, and we'll get into a few other things as we go here. So we recorded Friday, and unfortunately, we have some technical issues. Uh, First time on site, away from either one of our houses. I mean, we done it at your house, my house, mm-hmm. obviously here at Halo Haven, and it's been working fine. So this is the first time we reached out and tried to uh, be on location. So a um, little speed bump. I think we figured out the figured out the problem. So next time, I think maybe next Thursday, uh, we'll be at Inland Empire for Kukui night. Yeah. So I think we've solved that. But we, you know, for our listeners, we got a couple emails saying we missed you guys last. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, but I think we I think we solved that. I think we're good now. So um, now we can take this show on the road. Yeah, we should be able to figure out what we did wrong and fully just put it out there the way we've been doing it every week. So, again, we're sorry for the technical difficulties. We really appreciate you guys saying, hey, we missed you guys. That says a lot to us. It means a lot to us. So thank you guys once again. So we'll start from Friday, the day that we actually recorded. And that was the start of the Freeway Series. And it was a game where Felix Pena started again. And like we've been mentioning on the show as long as you can get at least four, three to four innings from guys like Felix Pena and Deck McGuire, you're okay with it, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, Felix Pena is doing a really good job for what he's position he's been put in. Now it makes me feel a little more comfortable as far as when um, you get some of the pitching help back, you'll be able to use him more now as a long, long, uh, long guy in the bullpen, and I think that'll help the Angels a lot. But yeah, if you can get any kind of production with him with four, three, four innings, um, I know one time he went five, which was great. But you know, four innings, one, uh, one earned run, um, you'll take that every time, especially if coming from uh, Felix Pena. Yeah, four innings, three hits, one run, five Ks. The story of this game was Max Muncy, two home runs, 
providing all the pop. I think I saw a, a tweet or a, a Halo, uh, not Halo, um, an Instagram post where it was literally Cole Calhoun versus Max Muncy. That's that's what it pretty much came down to. Yeah, two home runs by Muncy, two home runs by Calhoun. Final score was three to two. The Dodgers took game one in, yeah, at I Chavez mean, Arena. Yeah, I mean, the good news is that Cole is getting out of slump. I mean, since he's been back from the DL, he's been a totally different player and a totally different uh, contributor to the Angels. And if that can continue for the second half, that's only going to benefit the Angels' offense that has been up and down as the year has gone on. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, oh, and one thing I forgot to mention before we started recap, we also have an interview with Trent Rush that uh, we were able to do, get yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's like our first in-studio interview and our first mm. two-interview uh, Show. podcast. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So, uh, no work. Yeah, so if you guys wanted to just like – you know, not listen to the rest of the show. You're going to want to because we're also having an interview with Trent Rush. Not to mention what's going to happen next week. We'll, exactly. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll if you guys aren't already following us. Yeah, if we don't already know, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it towards the end about what's going on next week. Yeah, absolutely. So, very excited. All right, moving on to Saturday. And this was a game that the Angels won. Uh, they won it 5-4. to four. Uh, It was a back-and-forth game, as usual, between these two teams. You know, there's only a three-game separation between these two teams on the win column. And I'm about saying that's funny, though, because if you look at the game's back column, it's a whole different kind of story. It's like night and day. It's a league and a division that the Angels play in. You know, it's uh, the American League West, man. You got teams overachieving in the Mariners and the A's, and then you obviously got the defending world champion Astros. So the Angels are in a tough division. They're in a tough spot. Um, But back-and-forth game here. Upton put the Angels ahead in the seven with a solo shot. But then L.A. tied into the ninth. Angels' struggles continue in the ninth inning. I think we were, you were talking, talking about it off mic. Yeah, we were just looking up some of the first-half stats, and one of our big things we've talked about is not only bullpen innings, which they're up there. They have the second-most innings pitched by the bullpen in the AL, only behind the Tampa Bay Rays. And for people that don't know, Tampa Bay Rays every fifth day has a bullpen game. So, of course, those innings are going to be jacked super high. But also that, we looked up ERA per inning, and the eighth inning, it was kind of – interesting to see that they were tied for the second best ERA in the eighth inning and then you go to the ninth inning you, you click on the button and now they go down what the 12th the 12th best ERA in the AL and then for people that don't know there's only 15 teams available so obviously the uh, Middleton injury is really hurting the Angels more than I originally thought oh, by, yeah. by looking at those stats yeah. Um, but yeah again they're not able to hold it um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it came out with a positive uh, result, which is all you can ask for. Yeah, Angels uh, took the lead in the 10th with another solo shot from Cole Calhoun. And like you've been mentioning, he's been heating up at the right moment. Trent Rush t- uh, touched on this in the interview that you guys have listened to in, in a few minutes here. Yeah, but and not even that, though, but the who he hit it off of. He hit off of Jensen, which yeah. is supposed to be one of the top uh, relievers in baseball. But for him to, again, come up clutch in a situation, 10th inning, um, the game-winning uh, – it wasn't a walk-off, obviously, because they were in Dodger Stadium, but it was the game-winning home run that helped the Angels win the game. So, yeah. um, again, if he can get, I would say, between 10 and 15 home runs for the second half, considering what he went through in the beginning, you'll it, it'll, that will help the Angels unbelievably. If he hits 10 in the second half, he has 8. Already, that's 18 home runs. That's a typical Cole Calhoun season, almost. Right, and you, I mean, it's almost like that. Those first three months was he was like in spring training mode, almost right. kind of trying to figure something out. Right. But again, he went on the DL to come back and just absolutely killed it since uh, since returning. Okay, so then the final game, the ser- series finale in the season series finale of the Freeway Series happened on Sunday. Again, it was another close game as usual. A Deck McGuire start, so it was a three four inning thing. As we I, and I was looking at it too. It was you know what everyone wanted to see: Deck McGuire versus Kershaw. Yeah. And, you know, the Angels jumped ahead early. Oh, right? the first thing would be that close 
for that yeah. long. I was like, okay, it's not bad. From the Kershaw thing, I was like, okay. Yeah. They scored early too. And I'm like, okay, it's it's yeah. it's going to be a hard day. But no, they were able to get to Kershaw. Yeah. Kershaw got no decision. So yeah. it was it was really interesting to see. I, I, honestly, looking at it, I was expecting that loss on Sunday just because oh, you look sure. at the pitching matchup. For sure. And Kershaw's not the same Kershaw he's been for the past, yeah. you know. But it's still, the but Angels still, seem to make guys look like Cy Young's out there and who are like, Kershaw. And I about to say, not to mention a Kershaw looking like a Kershaw. Right. So... You know, it was a, it was a close game, and there's nothing much you can say about this. It was a close game. Angels lost five to three. Season series and the freeway series ended three three. Yeah, exactly. I mean, both teams won two games at home, so um, I guess there's no bragging rights for either one. I mean, I guess it all depends on oh, we played you at Angel Stadium, we won two. Oh, we played you at Dodger Stadium, hey. we won two. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's uh, they split the six game series, which is cool. I mean, I it, guess it doesn't really. It's typical for an Angels-Dodgers series, right? And I was looking at the stats coming into Sunday. Like, everything was equal. Like, the run scored. The ERAs were, I mean, point, like a point zero five difference. Which, like, everything was absolutely dead even going into the game on Sunday. So, for it to be a six-game split is kind of what you expect. Absolutely. So, like you said, no bragging rights either way. We did what we had to do at home. Dodgers did what they had to do at home. And I think what we can take out of this series was that the Angels played a decent team in the Dodgers and had decent results because the games they lost, they could have easily won. Yeah, and then you look at the pitching matchup, too. I mean, you have two or three at Dodger Stadium, and two of your dudes are Felix Pena and Deck McGuire. You know, obviously those are the guys that lost, but coming into the series, it wasn't you had Heaney, but it wasn't like you got Skaggs. It wasn't like you had, um, you know, a healthy uh, Tropiano coming in. You know, you had two dudes that are probably like your – uh, seventh and eighth and ninth option coming in between, like I said, Deck McGuire and Pena. So for what it was, I think it was really well, you know, played. Absolutely. So that was it. That was a final game, not only of the freeway series, but of the, the first half, essentially the first half of the season, quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. Um, Homer and Derby was on Monday. Also yeah. game was on Tuesday. Did you yeah. want to touch on yeah, that? Yeah. So we'll go back real quick to the angels <laughs> finished the first half 49 and 48. So they're one game above 500. Um, Still 14 games back of division and nine the games back of the last wild card spot. So they definitely have a, a long, a long, a long um, road ahead of them. But let's see what happens when the guys get uh, healthy. But yeah, let's go to the poll, uh, poll question, Twitter poll question. So again, if you guys don't know um, yet, I, I keep on telling you. But if uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter, it's Halo underscore Haven, and um, you can look at and we'll see um, poll questions every Monday. And it's about baseball and my about baseball like this week was about all-star game. But um, so leading into the all-star game, I saw the futures game on Sunday. I thought that was really cool. So the, so that made me think about this. What part of all-star week weekend? I don't I mean, it's kind of a little bit of both. Um, do you enjoy the most? So the options were the actual all-star game, the home run derby, the futures game, which is on Sunday or just none of it. You don't like it. It's just kind of overrated kind of deal. So I guess obviously 42 percent of people picked all-stars. Um, uh, 31% picked home run derby, 11 picked futures game, and 16% picked nothing. So um, where did you go? Or where did you vote when it came to this? I believe I voted for the futures game. Um, it's always fun to watch these up and coming, you know, not, not, you Well, know. especially because we see, wow. we see Joe Adele. And yeah. I, I even noticed um, one other guy that was in the game, uh, Buddy, uh, it was another outfielder. He was in San Diego Park. He was with Lake Elsinore okay. for the longest time. Um, but he, I'm like, oh, is that the same guy from Lake Elsinore? And just we went to a game. They played Lake Elsinore. He hit a home run. And for you that are familiar with how the uh, Salmon Well Stadium is built, 
they have a big jumbotron what in right center field and on top of it there's a you know san manuel stadium you have big you know letterings he hit the ball it hit that above the scoreboard i mean it was a ball that was absolutely killed for all the games i've seen there the hardest hit ball the highest hit ball that i've seen ever and he was in the futures game so it was pretty cool to see not only him but uh angel's very own joe adele represent um in a futures game yeah uh we had a tweet from our good friend and listener of the show from dead horse alaska duncan healy he he chimed in on the tweet and he said i'll say the futures game you're able to watch the future stars of the game that you otherwise don't hear about or can't watch at all Good to see the Halos represented by somebody you guys mentioned quite often on the podcast. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool to, to have some kind of investment because honestly, when I turned the Futures game on, the Angel game was going on and the Futures game on, so I had kind of two screens. I had the Future game on the on the laptop and then the, the Angel game actually on TV. And you know what? I was only going to plan to watch the Futures game for as long as Joe's in, but he actually playing the whole game. He uh, went one for four. He has an RBI, a yeah. run, and, and a double. So it was really cool to see him play the whole game. So yeah. that's really cool. Um, Says a lot about him. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, and for the Futures game, yeah, he's in the uh, single A, but he's going against guys that are in triple A and double A, yeah. also in high A. And it's cool to see some guys that you forgot about, like um, Hunter Green. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, Hunter yeah. Green. And he's coming out pumping um, pumping out uh, 103, 104. I think he hit 104 maybe once, but 103, 102 consistently. I'm like, that was pretty cool. That but, yeah. dude, uh, was it the, is that the dude from the Reds? Yeah, the Reds, yeah, California prospect. But that one dude just tagged him, turned on that fastball. Well, I mean, when you're throwing one, 103, and as long as you touch it, it's going to go a long yeah. way because he supplies all the power. That thing was driven to right field. Uh, I forgot uh, Bob I, – I can't remember his last name, but it was tagged. Moving on to the to the home run derby, what did you think about the home run derby? I liked it ever since they um, moved the or changed the rules and how it's worked because, you know, if before it was 10 outs um, – you guys would just take pitches, take pitches, now take pitches. Now it's clock. like this is the time. Get it done. And it, it brings more tempo, and then you can tell kind of a sense of urgency with these guys when there's like, you know, 45 seconds, 30 seconds left. They're like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. So I like that. Um, I voted for the Home Run Derby just because I'm not really worried about the names. I mean, the names will come and go. Home Run Derby is pretty cool because um, you like to see the balls hit in a, in a ballpark, places in the ballpark you've never seen hit before, mm. which is, you know, pretty cool. Um, what do you think of Bryce Harper, quote unquote, cheating? Uh, it's only cheating if you get caught. <laughs> but um, I love, I love the enthusiasm from everybody. I mean, there's a lot of hate on Bryce. I, don't, I mean, and I, 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 I understand it. He's a very polarizing player. Yeah, and if he's but, not on your team, you're gonna hate him. Dude, I, I mean, I like him still. And like, yeah, I, 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 I don't I, mind I him. That, I think he rubs people the wrong way, but part of that is what I like. That it's a LeBron not, James effect. He's not a cookie cutter kind of baseball player, which right. I like. You get tired of the same guys doing the same thing. So are you tired of Mike Trout? Like Fred Manfred is now we'll get to that later, <laughs> but um, no, but I like it. I love the bats, not only his, but all the other players have yeah, custom, little painted, custom bats, custom painted bats. They come out and pretty much wear whatever they want besides their uniform. I think I only wish they would do that in a regular season. Or they should, uh, yeah. Or they should do it like, once a week, you can wear whatever you want. Right, and it just something. Yeah, socks or just. I like the colored bats. When they did the um, the players, the players week, um, they had like you know the the arm sleeves. They had a lot of those guys um, put their flag, their national flag on their on their arms. And right. now they're a little more looser with that, but that was the kind of um, crack that they needed to, to actually do it more often. And I like when they show um, individuality. I Absolutely. think that's, that's and Bryce Harper does it. He might do it too much for some people, but I have no problem at all with that. Absolutely. So then the All Star game. And our boy Mike Trout shows up once again in the Oscar game. Hits a home run. And then the tweets start going off. Oh, MVP. 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 And then Segura hits a three-run home run. Oh, MVP. Like, oh, never mind. And oh, home. MVP. And then MVP. He's, his went away. And his Bregman's went away. MVP. And then, and then sure enough, he was MVP. 
Um, so yeah, I, I, AL West was just well represented in general. So yeah. that was that was what good to a, see. What a game! I mean, a typical baseball game nowadays where home runs, strikeouts, Ten home, runs, home strikeouts. runs. I mean, people, wow. some people didn't like it. I, I love it. I, I mean, I like it too, especially for an all star game. And they and they said about it after the post game on on, on ESPN. Um, it's an all star game. You're not yeah. trying to to check up and, and hit a no. double into the gap. No. I'm in an all star game. I Swing might, for the fence. I might get two at bats. I'm I'm cranking it. I'm just gonna let loose and see see if I can hit it to you know the next town. Has anybody watched the NBA all star game? I mean, no defense played whatsoever. You're trying to lob from half court. You know, same yeah, thing in baseball. Yeah, just go for the home run. Go for the home run. These guys that you. I mean, a little bit different now because of interleague, but before you would never see these dudes. Right. So now, you, you, instead of just let me see what he has now, oh, fastball, I'm going now because go. I don't know what the heck's coming up after this. Yeah. So Angel, the American League wins it in extra. Spragman hits a home run. I think uh, Springer went back to back. Back with to back. Them. Yep. And then the National League went ahead and scored another one in the tenth, yeah, another home run, but it wasn't bit. enough. The wasn't American enough, League yeah. won by two runs. I was just worried that I'm like, oh, don't tie because I don't want to go with a tie and then all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and then having to end in a tie, and then if people are going to talk about how, why do they even play these games? It's fun. It's fun. I like the All Star week uh, during the week. It's I, fun I, for me. I, I do think it lost a little luster since the interleague play, though. For I mean, sure, I, I for sure, that. because otherwise you don't, you, you never see these guys. So. Um, all right, so moving forward, uh, what did you want to get into next? You want to get into our interview or? What you want to get into? Since this, it's been, I mean, it's a weird week for us because there's not very many games to talk right. about. Nothing that, happening in Angel World. Yeah, and that's kind of why we had the interview yeah. planned with uh, Trent Rush, uh, Angels Radio, Trent Rush. But, yeah, we can go into that right now. But yeah. um, So I'll just tell you something, and I'll let you lead into it. But um, Trent Rush, is, this is going to be a second time. If you guys haven't heard uh, his first appearance on the podcast, I would suggest go back, subscribe. Yeah, it's in the archives. Yeah, subscribe to iTunes. Uh, go back, listen to the podcast. I'm sure we have it um, in the heading or whatever, but yeah. this is our second time. And, and again, if, if you if you listen to the Angels baseball on the radio and you're coming back from the Big yeah, A. Yeah, drive home. Drive home. Uh, he's the, the guy to talk to. He he, re, he interacts with, with people a lot of times on Twitter, and that's kind of how we got our foot in the door, I guess, if you will. Absolutely. It's just, hey, yep. what's going on? And so now it seems like it's working great. He's a great guy, awesome to talk to, easy to talk to. Uh, he'll answer every question you got for him. He won't back down from anything. We love Trent Rush. He's a friend of the show. We appreciate it. This is an interview we conducted uh, yesterday. Uh, he took some time out of his busy schedule to talk to us. So this is our interview with Angels Radio's, AK, uh, I'm sorry, Trent Rush. All right. So this is Johnny Mags, and we are joined today. Thanks uh, very much to Trent Rush. Uh, Trent, thanks for joining us on the All Angels podcast. Johnny, thanks for having me, man. Thank you. So let's get into it. I mean, first half of the season is officially over now with the All-Star break, uh, just or the All-Star game just finishing up yesterday, off day to day. The Angels, you know, hovering around that 500 mark. Are they that team? Have they always been that team? Or can they, is there something they need to do to get them over the hump? Uh, well, to be honest with you, I feel like we're still waiting for this offense to click. I, I mean, the pitching has done an admirable job, especially considering all the injuries at this point. But, you know, you're still just kind of waiting for this offense to find their stride. Like, I saw a stat that Mike Trout, and I think this was on uh, the, the Saturday broadcast when the Angels were at Dodger Stadium, that Mike Trout has the eighth fewest plate appearances with men on base, mm-hmm. and the first seven are leadoff hitters. So there, there's got to be 
be different ways to, to find opportunities for Trout to be at the plate with guys on. The other thing, too, is Trout has been scuffling a little bit, and I think that the All-Star break probably comes at a pretty good time for him. The fact that since he'd been moved to three-spot, he only had two RBI, and those were both on solo home runs. So I think that once he starts clicking and we're starting to see Cole Calhoun hit the high level, when you can have Cole in front of him, David Fletcher is a guy that can get on base pretty regularly, Andrew Simmons, of course, hitting right in front of Trout. I, I think that there is a way for the top of the lineup to be productive. And, you know, still waiting on guys like Justin Upton to, to come around because he's a really important bat for this team. In many ways, I see him as, as the most important player in this lineup. You know what Sid and Trout are going to do, but Justin Upton needs to be a run producer and come through with guys in scoring position. And he really didn't do that in the first half. Right, right. Well, you kind of answered the question, but I'll ask it kind of anyway. Um, Cole Calhoun at the top of the order. Do you see him being that leadoff guy, or do the Angels stick with maybe like a David Fletcher, or are they waiting still on Kinsler to kind of be that guy? I, I don't know that. I don't know how much longer you can wait on Kinsler. Where he's sitting under two twenty right now, like that's not good enough. And for Cole Calhoun, I think we're going to see we're going to see him continue to hit leadoff against righties. I don't think Mike Sosha is comfortable with uh, Calhoun against lefties, but that's okay because David Fletcher can hit leadoff against lefties. And what you can do, and Mike Sosha really did this the last I don't know ten days or so going into the All Star break, where you have Cole hit nine against lefties and Fletcher would hit one, and, and against righties be Fletcher in the ninth spot and Calhoun uh, as the leadoff guy. So essentially it's like having two leadoff hitters except for the first time through. So uh, I, I think we're going to continue to see more of that. Look, Cole Calhoun's production has been fantastic. And for me, yeah, there have been some mechanical changes to Calhoun's swing. Uh, this is not a guy that, that's trying to crush home runs every time now. And you know, amazingly enough, right, he's trying to be a line drive hitter. Now we're starting to see the ball leave the yard quite a bit more. I think for Cole Calhoun, it's mostly an approach thing and the idea of just get base hits, hit full field, spray the ball around. And we're seeing not just a Cole Calhoun that we're used to seeing. We're seeing a guy that's better than Cole that we've ever seen before. So that's been really great. I mean, it's last one. So we'll see if you can keep that up. Yeah, we've always been saying, we've been saying on the show how a Calhoun that we're used to will dramatically change this lineup. And then the guy, the Calhoun we're getting now, obviously is a guy that, you know, we, we've, we've expected. And then some, um, coming from off the all-star break, you know, the angels, they're getting some pitching coming back, right? You know, we, we were at Inland empire, uh, kind of charting, uh, Nick Tropiano's starts, uh, the last two times he went out, we were in the dugout in there, you know, charting his pitch count and all that stuff. Um, he looks like he's ready to come back. How much of an improvement having Tropiano and maybe possibly even a Matt Shoemaker kind of making his way back? How, how big is that for the Angels? Yeah, I mean, honestly, with Shoe, I, I don't want to, you know, you shouldn't hold your breath because it's still going to be a little bit before Shoemaker comes back, I think. Uh, and even with Nick Tropiano, it's an important piece because really only have four starters that they're confident in. And if you can get a guy, I mean, gosh, if you can move Felix Pena back to the bullpen, all of a sudden, like your bullpen, you can you can feel good about some pieces there. They still don't have the back end of the bullpen that you want, but at least, you know, you know, mid-relievers, the, the Angels can be set in that regard. But, you know, when you have Deck McGuire starting games for you, that's not ideal. Like, look, Deck, Deck's a good guy. Deck is a guy that, you know, can, can be serviceable out of the bullpen. You don't want Deck McGuire to have to start games. And he's actually done an all right job when he's had to start, considering the position he's been put into. But it's more, you know, kind of addition by subtraction by having a, a – 
you know, a starting pitcher that's supposed to be a starting pitcher that can get the job done. The other thing with Tropiano, and and I think he's a really good pitcher and he's he's come a long way, but he doesn't have all that much big league experience. Right. So he needs these innings as he continues to develop. He's still a young guy that uh, has not been in the big leagues. Like, Weeks and months, he's been in the big leagues for a long time, but in terms of innings, really not that much at all. Right, right, yeah, he's a guy that, that's kind of green around the edges still. Um, speaking about pitching, I know they're just rumors, and you know, I think we've I've seen posts or you know on Twitter about how the Angels are probably reluctant, but Skaggs and Heaney, obviously Skaggs has kind of turned into that ace of the staff uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um, is there any truth to any of these rumors, or, or is it just speculation at this point that the Angels could trade a, a, a Skaggs and Heaney? Well, I think this time of year, people are going to speculate a lot of things. And you're going to see in every game, you're going to see scouts from a lot of different clubs because teams are going to do their due diligence. And when people mention the Yankees, it's only natural because of Epler's background with the Yankees and as well as he knows Cashman. Now, the Angels, are, or there are reports anyway that have made it pretty clear that the Angels aren't going to move either one of those guys. I think the important thing for the Angels is, is A, figuring out if you're going to be a buyer or a seller. And they really have until the deadline to do that um you know gosh and remember last year it was the uh, it was the august 31st deadline that right. most of the major moves happened that's when the upton move happened that's when the verlander move happened in houston so i mean the angels are going to try to drag this out as long as possible to continue to evaluate their place in this wild card chase i mean if there are 11 12 games out of the wild card then maybe it does make more sense to be a seller but if they can you know swing together some wins they're playing you know the last series before the trade deadline to get seattle if they could pick up some momentum in that series and, and maybe be, you know, six, seven, eight games out at that point, then you feel like you still have a chance and you continue to, to try to get into the playoffs in 2018. The only the other thing, too, about Heaney and Skaggs is if the Angels are going to be a team that's going to contend for a postseason spot in 2019, which they should be, especially since Mike Trout's contract expires after the 2020 season. Yeah. That's a window that you've got to take advantage of. So I really don't – if this team even does become sellers, I see them selling short-term options, not selling long-term options, and Heaney and Skaggs are long-term guys. Yeah, so, you know, segueing into this next question, uh, with the whole Skaggs and Heaney thing in 2019, you know, I know we're looking ahead. 2018's not over yet, but, I mean, if the Angels seriously consider themselves contenders in 2019, they, they – probably have to go out and get another starter, right? For sure. I, I think that's definitely what they're going to have to do, especially now that Garrett Richards isn't going to be part of the picture, and you just don't know what to expect with Shohei Otani. So, right. no doubt, the Angels need starting pitching. That's, In my opinion, uh, this offseason, actually starting right now, that's got to be uh, first and foremost on the agenda. Now, as far as trades are concerned, you know, to improve the team moving forward, do the Angels trade away a Joe Adele or Jemai Jones? Is that even maybe in the picture? Uh, you you prospects to be chips. But another thing, too, I think Billy Epler, Billy has always been a guy that values the homegrown talent. I mean, his background is in everything he learned and seeing the core that came up, the guys like, you know, Jeter and Posada and, and all those guys that came through with the Yankees. That that's kind of what his background is, and he understands the value of having that. And, and I think that's the same thing that he'd like to create 
uh, with the Angels. I remember you one of the first times I ever talked to Billy. He says, hey, he goes, think about a tomato. You go to the grocery store and pick up a tomato. It's all right. But when you're picking tomatoes in your garden and that's what you're serving for dinner, that tomato tastes so much better. And I, I really think that Billy Epler sees prospects that way. If he has to trade guys, I think he will. He's not afraid to. I mean, when he traded, um, when, he, when he made the big move, uh, what was his, his first uh, his first move that he made here? Uh, the, the deal with Atlanta to get Anderson Simmons. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, he, was, he was not afraid to trade. He was the number one prospect at the time for the Angels. So uh, I think that uh, he's going to continue to um, – you know, evaluate what he's got, and he's not afraid to make the big trade, but it would have to be a massive one to get a guy like an Anderson Simmons uh, if you're going to make that move. Yeah, it'd have to be a guy that they that can control for a few years. Um, all right, so playoff push here. Do the Angels have the team to make a push? I mean, are, or are they that 500 team that we've been seeing? I, I really think, Johnny, that if this is a team that can hit to the level that we expect, that they no doubt can be a playoff team. This team is 38 and 10 when they score four runs or more. Like the pitching's been fine. When you have numbers like that, you just need your offense to click. And there's no reason why this offense can't average four runs a game. There are so many great weapons in this lineup. Just you haven't seen everybody produce to the level that, that you expect. So that's been the biggest issue, has been the offense. And I think that these guys can hit. It's a big hold they got to make up now. I think Seattle's going to come back a little bit. I don't see Tampa staying in the mix. Yeah. And I think, oh, Oakland's going to come back a little bit. So we'll see how it shakes out. But a season far from over for the Halos. Perfect. So here's a question that my partner, my co-host, Daniel, wanted me to ask you. He said, if the Angels continue to struggle this year, what do you think happens with Sosha? Well, I mean, considering this is the final year in his contract, I'd be, I would be surprised, uh, you know, I, I, would be, I would be surprised if the Angels missed the postseason or they're not in the mix that, you know, I, I don't know what Billy's going to do, but you would have to think that with him having an expiring contract, it would have to be uh, something pretty significant uh, in the postseason. Again, that's not saying that any of this is Mike Sosha's fault. I still think Sosha is the best manager you can find anywhere. Um, but 19 years in the track record of no playoff wins since 2009, I do think that, that could hurt. I, 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 I would say to the Angels, good luck trying to find a manager that's going to be, you know, that, that, that knows baseball better than Mike Sosha. That's a really hard thing. Uh, you're, you're really not going to find that guy. Uh, but again, with this being the final year of his contract, you know, not having an extension coming into the season. Generally speaking, uh, that's one of the signs that, you know, things kind of got to go right for him to be able to stay, and uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah, that's the one thing I've always said on the show. We've had listener emails tell us about how social this, social that, and my response is always, who are we going to get that's going to be better? And, yeah. I mean, there's no, I mean, Francona's not going anywhere. Madden's not going anywhere. It's not going to happen, so... Yeah, like you said, I agree with 100% with what you said there. So with everything we just talked about, Angels obviously underachieving this year, uh, you know, so far. Uh, what's your on a scale of one to ten? What do you what what where do you first half? Um, scale of one to ten, I'd say 
scale of one to ten at the Angels, uh, I mean they're basically a five hundred team. I'd give them a five. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that that's where I'm at. Just because I think I think again, not necessarily one's fault because you've had so many injuries to the pitching, but the replacement starting pitchers and even relief pitchers, I think, have overachieved in a lot of ways. I'd actually give this group of pitchers like an eight. I, I think they're they're way overachieving versus what I expected. But the lineup has not done their job, and that's been really surprising. So yeah, I, I think a, a 500 team right now, I'd, I'd give them a five so far halfway through. What do you? Th- what one quick question before I let you go here. What do you? Why do you think they're struggling so bad at the plate? Because you know, one day we've talked about it on the show. One day they're scoring nine runs, and in the next game they get shut out and on two hits or whatever. What do you think it is? Is it just? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that there is something to when the team seems to be in situational. Excuse me. In situational hitting scenarios, they've had more success when they're trying to execute hit and runs and plays like that, and, and they're being aggressive on the bases. That's usually uh, when you see you know, this this team have more success. I, I don't know why the lack of consistency. Uh, again, I don't I don't have the numbers to back that up. Um, it, it's it, it's been frustrating, no yes. doubt. Part of it's just that's how baseball goes. But um, you know, I, I think that you're just waiting for a lot of guys to really click to get in rhythm. We're seeing it with Cole Calhoun. It looks like Upton the last, you know, the week going into the All-Star break, things were better for him. He's kind of a streaky guy anyway. Um, but, like, Kindler's got to, you know, he can't hit where he's hitting right now. He's yeah. got to be better than that. And uh, you need production all the way around. And, you know, when, when you have Trout and Simmons, it, there's no reason why this team shouldn't be uh, scoring a lot more runs. And even Albert. Albert has been pretty productive for this team. The fact yeah. that he's second in LBI on this team, like, I, I get it. it. Albert was frustrating as a cleanup hitter, but now he moves down a spot into the five hole. I, I think Albert's still a productive bat for you. So, um, you know, I, I, that, that's not really where the issue is. But it's got to be it's got to be team hitting and situational hitting. And when the Angels have done that, that's when they've been most successful. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Well, I won't take any more of your time. I appreciate it, Trent, for jumping on the show with us here today. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to uh, see where the Angels head from here. But, again, thank you very much for joining us, and I appreciate you. Hey, thanks so much. You guys do a great job. Appreciate you. you. Uh, That was our interview with the Angels radio, Trent Rush. Post-game radio, and then if you ever listen to – Media day, social media day on, on like a Wednesday or mm-hmm. whenever they're at a 12 o'clock game. He's a guy back at, in Anaheim, you know, reading tweets and doing all that stuff. So, yeah, definitely a great guy to get uh, talking about Angel Baseball. And we said this before, I can ask him questions all day and just, you know, see what he what his what his views are about Angels Baseball and stuff like that. Yeah, he's uh, easy to talk to, answers every question, like I said. So he's more than uh, more than a friend of the show, man. He's almost a part of the show. It's the second time he's been on here, and he said anytime we need him, that he'll be on the show. First. And he came through this time, too, because he said that the first time when we got him. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we come back from our break, we're going to have our interview with our special guest in studio when we come back. So we'll see you on the other side. Hey, hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. 
Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. This is Hook Vicious. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Hey, I'm Trent Rush. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. Hey, I'm Trent Rush. Hey, what is up? We are back. So, again, thank you guys for uh, our sponsors, Groom Goon, for supporting the show, uh, www.epicradiotv.com. And the Alley Cat SoCal on Instagram. If you guys want to check out the Alley Cat SoCal on Instagram, they have a whole line of clothing. Um, you got a crazy mame on your head. Check out their uh, pomade, which is called Slick Cat. You can check it out at the Alley Cat SoCal on Instagram. And on their Instagram uh, page, they have a bio for the actual Big Cartel website where you can go ahead and purchase anything from their store on the Big Cartel. So. Daniel, we got a special guest in studio here. Yeah, kind of like what we're, I was saying earlier, it's going to be our first live in-studio uh, guest for the All Angels podcast. Well, we had we had Tom Duino on, but it was we had to edit. Well, yeah, like that's that. what I'm saying, though. It was, it was recorded. Yeah. I, I got it. I had to put two, kind of like two, because it was so long, right. had to put two together. Right. And now this one is strictly, he's here in front of us, and we're recording a, the podcast. Cool. So I want to introduce the man behind the promotions at the Inland Empire 66ers, coordinator of promotions. We want to introduce Eris. Eris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me today. I appreciate it. All right, so let's jump into it, man. Um, explain to us what you do what you do for the 66ers. We see you. Anybody who goes to 66ers sees you on the field doing your thing, but explain to the people who otherwise maybe haven't gone to a 66ers game what you do there. Well, if you haven't gone to a 66ers game, you're obviously missing out because we're the definition of fun in the, in the Inland Empire. And, of course, we're, you can see all of the future Angels play. That's the best part why we go to. We love seeing the, <laughs> we love seeing the young talent, man. It's awesome. So uh, if you have gone to the game, perhaps you can recognize me. I'm the on-field personality there. I'm the one who handles all of the stuff that basically happens on the field that's not the baseball game. So the first pitches, the national anthems. Even the Bat Boys out there, I take care of them. And, of course, the stuff that happens in between the innings, all the fun and the hijinks that makes families want to come back and see the 66ers play. One of the things I was wondering is how, how did you get into it? What Because what, you're originally not from California, correct? That is correct, so yeah. How, I'm from southern you, New Jersey. How did you end up – tell us like your, you know, your quick journey real quick from, from East Coast to San Bernardino. Sure. So uh, right after I graduated from Rona University, it's a university located in New Jersey, I started working for the Lakewood Blue Claws, and they're the single-A affiliate for the Philadelphia Phillies. And when I was out there, I saw uh, future Phillies, or current Phillies right now, as you see, Reese Hoskins. Uh, you see uh, Carlos Tochi, who was in that trade with the uh, the Cole Hamels trade, now for the Texas Rangers. But when I was with the Blue Claws, I was the on-field personality there, and it was strictly just something that was on game days. Um, there at the Blue Claws, the very successful franchise, are always one of the top 15 grossing minor league teams in the entire country. So they have a very large front office. There, uh, everyone has a very specific job. I wanted to really expand my horizons. I wanted to learn as much as I could. I applied online. Uh, 
I had an interview with the Florida Panthers of the National Hockey League. I had an interview with uh, Team USA Hockey. So I traveled out to both of those areas, ended up not getting a gig there. However, I ended up in beautiful Southern California with the 66ers. And here I do a lot more than just do my things on the field. Also uh, create the theme nights that happen at the game, the giveaways. So I'm learning a lot. Plus I'm doing sales. I'm meeting a lot of people in the Inland Empire, knowing what the Inland Empire is. Who knew what that was, you know, growing up in Southern New Jersey. So I'm having a lovely time out here. So one question that we asked, we interviewed Joe Hudson at the beginning of the season, before the season started. And we kind of talked to him about, about the promotion side, about how they, how you guys come up with your ideas, but I mean, I guess you're the guy we should ask. What do you guys? How do you guys come up with these ideas? How do you guys come up with these promotions? Do you guys kind of get together, and brainstorm, or what? What goes into the actual? Hey, this is what we're going to do on July fifteenth. Well. Obviously, the number one thing is we take a look at what our schedule shapes up to be. We love to have a different theme night on every Friday or Saturday game. You know, something that's a staple, of course, is fireworks. You know, families love to come out and watch the fireworks. But as you stated before, it's not something that we just sit down and pick out everything in one day. This is something that we think about uh, constantly. And we actually sit down as a front office and have a group think about it once a week. So we sit down for about an hour, an hour and a half in the off season once a week. And we think about, okay, uh, what's really popular in the musical scene what's popular in the children's television scene movies you know different categories things that are fun and will drive different types of people to the ballpark so one of the things i was surprised because i've always been to 66 or games you know especially when they made a transition to the angels organization but most of the times until this recently i was just in the stands just kind of watching the game is watching now because of what you guys have given us as far as hanging out in the dugout and we can see a lot more of like the behind the scenes thing so and I was surprised how much running around you do or your, your team does and everything between innings, setting this promotion up, setting this promotion up. So on an average game, how much of the actual game do you watch? Oh, my goodness. I would say almost none, unfortunately. Uh, just as you said, you only know about how much running around we do because you're actually in the dugout right. seeing that. In the little and, corner and stuff like that, you can see it. And. It's pretty insane. You know, we're going from one end of the field to the next, grabbing something from my desk. We're grabbing something from a backpack that's located on one side of the field. We're handing out things. We're passing out things. We're talking to different members of the front office. And then, of course, if people need something directly from me because I'm the only one that knows the answer to it, I have to answer to them. So uh, to answer your question, how much do I see of the game? Uh, I get to see the first pitch and then... uh, if I'm lucky, I get to see the end of the eighth and the ninth inning. It's that's it's insane. We like like Dan said, you know, with us being in the dugout now with our media credentials, and we, you know, we see what you guys do. It's crazy because, uh, you know, it's just insane. You guys are running back and forth, and it's like, man, these guys never stop. So, what is your favorite on-field thing that you guys do? Because you guys have a lot of different little things that you do. I was I recently joined in on the the hot dog sling, and that was pretty cool. I was just. Hold this up. Hold this up. Don't bend your elbow. You know, I was like, don't mess it up. But what's your favorite thing? Uh, Of course, the hot dog sling is something that is a staple to our games. That's something that we introduced uh, last year for every single game. Uh, Prior to that, we do it once in a while. But because people love it so much and they look forward to it, people were asking me, hey, you know, are you doing a hot dog sling today? When's that going to happen? We decided we're going to do it every game because that's something that people want to see. And, you know, of course, it feels good catching a souvenir. In this case, it's a hot dog. You can eat it, yeah. uh, To answer your question, I think my favorite on-field game would have to be uh, our version of 
let's make a deal, which is what's in the box. Uh, for those That's who haven't one, been, yeah. for those who haven't been to our stadium, it's a very simple game. Uh, we bring out a contestant, and we have two concealed boxes. You don't know what is in each of the boxes. Of course, there's a prize in both of them, but. It's a mystery, and we try to play it in with the crowd. Probably the reason why this is my favorite game is because the crowd really gets into it, too. It's not just the one person that we have out there. They pick one of the boxes, and then we bring out a third box, and we ask them, hey, do you want to keep the box you originally chose? Do you want to switch it for this new box right here? And then it brings up a whole new mystery, and then finally we open up the boxes they didn't choose. We open up the one that they did win, and sometimes they go home with something really great, like a team autograph baseball or tickets to an Angels game, and then other times you win a back rub by yours truly. So, well, you know, that might actually be a good yeah, thing. Yeah, I was say, know. one time I seen it was a half uh, used bottle of like Tapatio or something like that. <laughs> no, but I mean, we, we always have a blast there. The guys, you guys, your team is awesome. The players are awesome. Um, promotions, and, and you are in Halo Haven, so you see the collection of bobbleheads Chris has. What is the process or how far out do you guys look to make a bobblehead for like are you guys already thinking of bobbleheads for next year or how what's the time frame on something like that most certainly yeah we are already planning our giveaway items for next season uh not just bobbleheads but also hats you know people love to wear something on their domes and so we are already looking into previous angels uh logos and merchandise that they had in the past trying to bring it back you know uh last year we featured our Cali Halo hat, which was, yeah, was obviously awesome. the, the state of California with the halo on there. And then uh, instead of a star, we put our IE logo on there. That's something that we've had planned out for a while. This year, um, we featured our Cali, IE, Cali Empire hat, which is our IE logo represented right over here uh, and has the California flag. Yeah. in there. That's something that we planned out last year. Uh, to answer your question about how long it takes for these things to get done, usually it takes about three and a half months okay. for those things to finally get created. Of course, we go back and forth on little details and whatnot. If we have a sponsor on that giveaway item, so it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, one question I had. This season, you guys introduced Los Cucuis de San Bernardino. How like crazy was that? Did you guys have enough time to, to kind of like, this is this is what we're doing, guys? Like, or did it kind of just get put on you guys? You guys have this much time to do it, and how crazy has it been, or how fun has it been, actually? Oh, it's been an absolute blast. We absolutely love doing it. I'm actually the one who was put somewhat in charge of our campaign. And for those of you who don't know, our uh, Los Cucuis is the equivalent of the boogeyman in Spanish, and uh, it is part of our participation in La Copa de la Diversión, which basically uh, translate into the Fun Cup. So we are one of 33 teams in the entire nation of uh, minor league baseball to participate in this Hispanic and Latino initiative. And you know, it was an honor to be chosen in that. And, of course, it's like, congratulations, you guys get to be part of this. Now, make a brand name. You got about a week to do it because we need to get started on merchandise. And it's like, oh, no. And just as I answered your question before, we – had a round table of the front office. We tossed around a couple of different names, but we decided Los Cucuis was the best because, one, it's something that a lot of people in that heritage are familiar with. Two, it's something that's fun because it's not necessarily something like if you chose uh, Tigres, it's a tiger, you know, whatever. Cucuis is something no one really knows what it looks like, so we got to develop our own logo on that. And three, it's intimidating. You know, we, of course, want to strike fear into our opponents, and we love doing that. 
So it's been a, it's really been a really big success so far. And, and Chris found out the hard way that the logo on the hat actually glows in the dark. Um, I went to sleep one night and I put my Kikui hat on my nightstand. And I looked over and I could see the Kikui looking at me. It glows <laughs> in the dark. I get a lot of people asking me, "Is that a Skeletor from He-Man logo?" And I could see that too. So that's a good job, though. I think behind the flying chanclas, the Kikuis have to be the most yeah. successful of the of the Copa. Yeah, and just to uh, go off of that, if I may, uh, this whole thing is actually a. Uh, a competition, if you will. Of course, it's about you know spreading diversity and the word, but uh, it is somewhat of a competition. Uh, if you came out to our first Kukui's Day, which was on May 3rd, we actually had La Copa at our stadium, and our fans got to take pictures with the cup. Um, and there's a lot of different factors that go into winning the cup, but I can say right now that we are in the top five of all the different categories that goes into that. One being our social media preference, another category being ticket sales, third being merchandise sales. So there's a lot of different factors that go into this, but I'm proud to say that we are in the top five right now, and we have a chance to take La Copa home. That, that's <laughs> a great thing, especially for like getting the name out there for 66ers and the Kukui stuff like that. But as far as um, the other names, like, like the Flying Chancla, is there one particular um, name that sticks out, besides Kukui's, of course, that you read and you're like, oh, that's, that's funny. I like that um i would definitely have to say it's not funny but something that they really dove into were the eugene emeralds they uh became las monarcas and they put a lot of different uh parts of their community and they put a lot of thought into their logo uh, monarchas butterflies and uh they feature the same bright green color that's featured in their usual Emeralds logo. And then they also have a lot of different things that are inside the logo. For example, they have like a baseball that you wouldn't notice on first glance in there, a baseball bat. They have uh, different markings from Spanish, uh, uh, Spanish and also like Native American heritage in that area in the logo. It's really intriguing, and it's something that's like, wow, they put a lot of detail into that and thought into it, and I'm sure, you know, nothing take away from the chanclas, but that's more of like the, uh, you know, the, the first sight appeal, like, oh, wow, chanclas, yeah. they picked this bright blue and bright pink, you know, but the Monarchas really put thought into it, and yeah, I give them kudos for that. That's awesome. Like, you know, I think maybe within the first, probably like the f- second day that you guys had merchandise, Chris bought that hat. We were at the stadium. And, and, and Chris bought the hat, and we saw it. I mean, not, you know, we saw your guys' little press conference that you guys did on Facebook Live and stuff like that. But it almost, when we saw it up close, we're like, oh, my God, that hat is awesome. I need to get one. Um, the merchandise, the, the colors, all that stuff, was that something like you guys all sat down and said, we're going to go with the green, we're going to go with the gray, this is how the uniforms are going to look, or did somebody have a more say in it, or did you guys all collectively say this is what we're going for? So what we did was when we actually did choose uh, Los Kukuis to be our brain identity, we sent that idea off to minor league baseball. And, of course, we wanted to do something where we had one color that sticks out, but we also want to have something that's dark. For example, that graphite and the black that's on the hat. Um, they sent us over their first take on it, and we were – pretty amazed by it uh the colors that they have in there because we kept our light blue in there we love that we like the bright green in there the only thing that we changed off of minor league baseball's first proof was the face 
And the reason behind that was originally, uh, if you ever do look up the logo here, uh, it just had the eyes. It didn't have that white mask, if you will, to it. Um, and then with that, we, we decided that because, one, how cool would that be if we made that glow in the dark? <laughs> As Chris realized. Yeah, that was you know? really, yep. But two, it also gives him a personality with a mouth. You know, it gives him more of a face. Other than that, it looks like perhaps there's like just two floating bats in that logo. No, you're right. And, and it's a great logo. I, I remember, like you said, we were had this planned interview with Joe Hudson uh, for like a week. And then it just happened like the day before our interview you guys broke the news about the cocoon. Like, oh, great. Another talking point to, to bring up. It just it happened perfect. But uh, so as we sit now, it is July 19th. So moving forward for the rest of the year, what are some of the promotions the IE is doing that you want to talk about or something that you're looking forward to the most? Well, I have to say we have a lot of great promotions coming up, uh, family-friendly and, of course, angel-friendly. We have a couple of our Halo Days coming up. We feature uh, World Series champion Rupert. Uh, Rupert Jones, he's coming to our stadium on August 12th. So great uh, photograph and autograph opportunity with that. Uh, Something that's fun for the family. We have our Paw Patrol night, so they can meet the characters on uh, August 3rd. And with that, uh, we're also having fireworks after the game. We have our Mike Trout wall grab bobblehead coming up on August 11th. I'm sure a lot of Angels fans, a lot of Sixers fans know about that one. But if you were to ask me what promotion I'm most excited about right now, and, you know, to be honest, I am not the biggest fan of this sport, but people really do love it. It's our wrestling night coming hey. up on August 10th. Right here, baby. Yes. Listen to the Blazing Malfunsky Wrestling Podcast every Wednesday on iTunes. Boy, how, look at that setup right there. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll be ready. I'll, you know what? I might, I might cosplay that day. I highly suggest you should. I might so, cosplay. For this day, uh, it's coming up on August 10th. We are going to have the... Empire Wrestling Federation. WF? Yes. Jesse Hernandez? Look at that. Exactly. Yes. We were just on the phone with Jesse earlier today. <laughs> I, I, I went to wrestling school there when I was 18 years old. So we're going to set up the ring at our stadium. It's going to be located. Um... Boy, you're really excited about this, wow, are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are going to set up the wrestling ring there. And we're going to have a couple of the wrestlers out there. We're going to do three fights post-game. So we invite everybody to come awesome. on out. And uh, when you, if you see the 66ers game, you can stay around after. You can check out some wrestling. Nice. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Super cool. Okay. So, we, you know, we've talked about pretty much everything. Where can they, the people, I mean, obviously, if they haven't been following, they're living under a rock. But where can they follow, follow the Sixers on social media, all that stuff? Go ahead and plug the 66ers, man. Of course. If you have not come out to a 66ers game, there is still time. We're running right now through August 30th, and we are in the midst of the playoff hunt, so be sure to join us if we do end up hosting a game uh, later in September. If you want to know all about the 66ers promotions, upcoming games and events, be sure to check us out online at 66ers.com or on our social media and so- on Instagram and Twitter at 66ers Baseball. Yeah, we want to say, you know, from Johnny and I, thank you very much for coming in and uh, hanging out in Halo Haven and, you know, being more than a great uh, guy when we get to the stadium, always saying hi, saying what's up, stuff like that. But, yeah, thank you a lot for coming, and uh, hope to see all everyone out there, 66ers uh, games later this year. Thank you so much for inviting me today. It's been an absolute honor. I look forward to coming out again soon. Yeah, for sure. We'll get you out here. Maybe we get a game going on, whatever. It's up to Chris to get a barbecue going. But, uh We'll, we'll, get, we'll get you out here again, man. Thank you so much.
All right, so that was our uh, Eris, man, great guy. So we're going to move into what a lot of people, I mean, our emailers love this segment very much. Uh, we don't have the organ music queued up like we Still did. Still trying to work in progress. I, ha- I had it one work time. Work in progress. I had it one time, but it didn't work out. Let's see. Uh, hold on, hold on. All right, so while he's trying to fill time, if you don't know at all, uh, again, follow us on Halo Haven on uh, Twitter and on Instagram, Halo underscore Haven, on both Instagram and Twitter. Again, we're at 66 Games all the time. Come by, hang out. Um, Johnny or myself will be there. Say hi. Chris is there, too. Um, but, yeah, so now as Johnny's trying to uh, find the, the right type of music to do the intro, I think he gave me the cue. He's ready, so here we go. All right. It is time for the, everyone's favorite. Curator's Chronicles with Chris Johnson. Hello, everyone. This is the Curator speaking in another edition of the Curator's Chronicles. The Curator name was given to me by Johnny Mags at a 66ers game, believe it or not, last season. It is stuck and has become something that I've took on and I, uh, I actually do like. So here's another edition of the curator's chronicles out of a book called angels journal by john snyder this is a depressing one my friends but stay tuned stick with it we will discuss and we'll debrief everything afterwards july 18th this day in angels baseball history wally joiner my favorite player when i was a kid homered off jimmy key in the sixth inning on a 0-2 pitch accounts for the only run of a 1-0 Win over the Blue Jays in Toronto. Burt Blylevin, who was quite the jokester for the Angels, pitched the shutout. Sad news, Angels fans. On the same day, former Angels pitcher Donnie Moore shot his wife and committed suicide. Moore shot his wife, Tanya, three times with a pistol, the incident occurring in front of their three children at their Anaheim Hills home. Tanya was wounded in the neck, lungs, and liver. Daughter, Demetria, who was 17 years old, fled the house and drove her mother to the hospital. Back inside the house, still in the presence of his 10-year-old son, Donnie Jr., Moore shot himself in the head. Tanya survived the shooting. Moore never got over yielding the runs in Game 5 of the 1986 ALCS against the Red Sox. Neither did I which cost the Angels a chance to reach the World Series. He struggled through the 1987 and 1988 seasons with a sore shoulder and was booed by fans nearly every time he took the mound. Moore was released by the Angels on August 26, 1988. He he was released from the Royals' Class A AAA farm team in Omaha five weeks before his suicide. Somber news, Angels fans, this day, July 18th, 1989. So, quick story to piggyback on that. Chris has heard this story from me. I won't mention names because I don't want to. Okay, so I knew somebody who... Uh, had uh, who was in a you know with, within the gun community. You know those people that buy guns, they collect guns or like whatever. Gun show, right? Gun show. And this person that I knew, him and his father, uh, would sell guns. They were people that would sell guns for hunting purposes. And this was, uh, I think, in '87. And uh, Johnny Moore. Okay, can you hear me now? Okay. 
technical difficulties here. I'll start over. Chris has heard this story before. I knew somebody who uh, uh, sold guns at a gun show for hunting purposes. This was about 1987. And who comes up to their little booth, their selling stand, other than Donnie Moore? Uh, they sold him a rifle and a pistol. All legal. Um, we don't know for sure if that was the gun that he used to do the what he did. time and place. But and the time is very... The timeline makes sense. Yeah, the timeline makes sense. But uh, the Donnie Moore incident is something that ru- like deep-rooted hardcore Halo fans know a lot about, including myself. You guys have heard the story. Um, but it's a sad story because you know you would hate to think that it was because of the fans booing him that did it, but something you can't It had forget. to play a part. It had Absolutely. to have some type of part of that. And I've been going to a lot of uh, – yeah, I go to a lot of yard sales, state sales, um, swap meets, but I've been going to a state sale, and um, the guy that warmed Donnie Moore up in the bullpen before he went out there and gave that, you know, that home run up um, kind of told me, you know, just – you know, I met him. He actually worked at an estate sale. And uh, his name is Gary Wilburn. He was the, you know, the the coach, the bullpen coach. And it's just a very sad affair for Angels baseball. And it kind of loomed over the club's existence all the way up until 2002. It kind of plagued the club and um, kind of haunted it. So. so now that we're done with that. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Woo. Uh, yeah. That was a tough one. Okay. So these won't worry about that y'all. for a whole nother year. So I think we should be good. So, yeah. And that's going to wrap up this edition of the Curator's Chronicles. <laughs> Nothing awkward about that transition at all. Yeah, I know, right? I should have had some different music. <laughs> but anyway, all right, let's get into our email questions. We didn't have very many this week because there wasn't ha- Slow week. much happening Slow in baseball. Week. Yep. Uh, you know, other than the All-Star game, but it's not Angels related. And this show is called the All Angels Podcast. If it was a baseball podcast, then we'd, it'd be different. But our first email comes from Duncan Healy, our fan from Dead Horse, Alaska. He says, hey, fellas, missed you last week. So the best part of the All-Star break is that the Angels can't lose any games. True. Uh, True. So so what do you guys think about the rumors surrounding Skaggs and Heaney and possible trades? Um, Um, Trent touched on it. Yeah, I was about to say, Trent touched on it. He doesn't think anything's going to happen with them. Um, And and he's right. Trent was right about these guys are going to come and do their due diligence, and they're going to scout these guys. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that the Angels are looking to pull the trigger on making a trade uh, to trading one of these guys or both guys. And like I said, when this first came out, if they did, and again, if being a big word, I don't think they would trade both. They would probably just trade one or the other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't see them making a move. I almost don't see them making a move either way, buyers or sellers. And if they do, I think it's going to sell maybe some, you know, secondary kind of players. I don't see them making any kind of big splash in, in, uh, in the trade deadline. And like, and like I said earlier, they're still nine games out of the wild card. So it's not like they're exactly out of it. But, again, you don't want to trade for a player, um, give up some of your top maybe – not, maybe not top prospects, but give some good, good prospects up, and you still come up five games short in the wild card at the end of the year. Yeah, and if you want to compete next year, Skaggs and Heaney are a big part of, you know – the team moving forward, if you do plan on picking up a starter, maybe in the offseason, bolstering up the bullpen and, and kind of adding guys at the in the offseason, you're going to need a two and three starter. And you can't trade a guy like Skaggs and Heaney, it, you know, if you expect to compete next year. Yeah, and especially kind of like people were saying, too, uh, 
they they're they're under control for more than this just this year. Yeah, so, that's um, that, that's a big part of it too. You better get um, a lot coming in return. Yeah, I mean the good news is too we didn't really touch on it because it happened today and we've been kind of uh, packed. But um, Otani has been cleared to throw, so I don't expect anything from really from him this year. I mean he. If, if the schedule works out the way it is, he'll be able to pitch in September, and by then you might already be out of it, and why bring him back? But that is a good news as far as um, being able to see him next year, him being in the rotation. So you would have a Skaggs, a Tropiano, a um, Haney, a Alex Meyer coming back, a J.C. Ramirez coming back. So, you know, if they do keep him, which we think they will, it, it'll help the team next year for sure. Absolutely. Moving forward, this comes from Lamar Washington, another uh, frequent emailer. He says, what's good, fellas? How awesome is it to see Trout showing up at the All-Star game? What do you guys feel about the commissioner's comments? And just we were actually talking about this before the podcast, and it kind of worked out great that he emailed us this question. So we were already planning to talk about it, but since it worked right into an email, um, these are going to be comments from the commissioner made on PTI, on ESPN, talking about Mike Trout and his um, popularity, I guess. So uh, take a listen, and we'll talk about it after we come. The marketing of our players raising their profile, growing their brand is a really high priority for us. And I think where Mike is relevant, our ability to do that in today's world is dependent on one thing. Player marketing is dependent on having a player. I think Mike Trout could raise his profile tomorrow if he decided that he wanted to engage a little more fully, give up some more of his free time. And that's his choice. I mean, that that really is his choice. What player marketing takes in today's world, you got to be willing to be out there on social media. you got to be willing to put yourself out there, and you have to devote time to it. And we do think about it, and it is a priority for us. So those are Ma- Rob Manfred's comments. Me, I see it as this. Mike Trost's not the kind of guy who's going to self-promote no, himself. He's not. He's so not. he's not going to reach out and say, hey, guys, this is what I want to do. This is Mike Trost's the kind of guy. We saw it. We've seen it. Um, I'm fortunate enough that, you know, I know a – I know Luis Valbuena. Those of you guys who don't know, I'm very good friends with Luis Valbuena. Hmm. I've been on the field where, you know, at spring training with a bunch of other friends and family. Mike Trout does not have to go out of his way to sign everybody's stuff there. Right, and come over to people. But he does. He makes sure that everyone that was there got something signed, got their picture. My fiance took a picture with him. The flash didn't go off. He could have easily been like, whatever, right? What does he say? He said, hey, the flash didn't go off. Take another picture. That's, that shows a lot. He could have just walked away. You see him before games signing autographs for kids, reaching out to kids and making sure that they get their balls signed, their pennants signed, whatever they have. You know, He makes it an effort to reach out to the fans. Now, as far as him being self or promoting himself as a superstar, I just don't see him being that guy. So I feel like Rob Manfred kind of called him out in a way. But Ma- Rob Manfred's not wrong, but he's at the same time – you. That's just not the way Trout is. Trout's yeah, no, Trout's not. The, and, and the way Manfred said it, I think, was not very well put together. Um, it was kind of – it was an interview. I think he was kind of put on the spot, and he's kind of – remember, he's a commissioner. He's not a public speaker by trade. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he probably does a lot of interviews with people, but um, he's not – I don't. I mean, not to my aware. I don't know any – I mean, you look at Roger Goodell. He's horrible at public speaking, and he's a commissioner of probably the biggest sport in, 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 the, in the America, at least. But, you know, I, I think he's partly right as far as – if Trout wanted to, and again, like he said in there, if he wanted to, if he's fine with where his, you know, I guess, quote unquote, Q rating, which measures people's um, popularity, stuff like Q rating, not yeah. curating, no Q rating. But anyways, though, if he wanted to do more, he could, because I know, uh, what was it a couple weeks ago or maybe a month ago when his new shoes came out, 
he was taking he took over MLB's uh, Instagram feed. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, cool. oh no, Nike, it was Nike's feed. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, maybe he'll have videos of them in the clubhouse. Maybe he has videos of him, like, you know, just not necessarily like behind the scenes, but cool to see him at home doing, you know, just doing something, being more, not more relatable because he is really relatable, but something like behind the scenes. And he posted maybe like two things throughout the whole day. It was supposed to be like a quote unquote takeover. But again, I'm not here to, I don't want to some people like, oh, you're bashing Trump. Like, no, he's a great guy. He does everything the right way. Um, if he's fine with the way he is, then that's great. There's no one to force him. And baseball, Manford, generally, he's in charge of making money. And if he feels like if Trout did X or Y and he was going to make the company more money, of course he should have an interest in that. Yeah. Well, so we can, this is going to be a debate that we're going to have to get into. Right. I, I don't want people to think like, oh, Trout, well, we don't change Trout. I'm like, I'm not trying to change Trout. I'm just saying if he tweaked this or that, he could be a – you know, baseball play fan, baseball fans in general know who he is. But if you go walking down the street and ask a four-year-old lady at the store who Mike right. Trout is, she there's a good chance she doesn't know who it is. Right. And if you're trying to get that crossover appeal, um, that's something you have to do is is be on maybe more interviews or maybe be on TV a little bit more. But again, if Trout is fine with doing what he's doing, and he is, he is, and then great. That's that, that's that, really good for him. And that might be a good sign for the Angels because maybe he doesn't want that limelight of a New York or. Philadelphia exactly. or Chicago I mean, or something. And you know? the Angels came back, and people yeah. are saying it was a clap back. It was like a hey. little a rap, be- uh, rap beef between Manfred and the Angels. Hey. But, you know, it, it is what it is. West Coast, East Coast. Yeah, exactly. No. It is what it is. But, again, Trout's happy with what he's doing. And then for fans, we are happy to have him. Yeah, and absolutely. so, again, you know, there's nothing wrong. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things, interview, I kind of think it was like a um, – 40 second clip that kind of got blown up out of proportion because there's nothing going on. Right. If he says this in the middle of a season yeah. with games going on, it probably doesn't get nearly as much run as it did uh, during the all-star break. Yeah, you're right. All right. Last email question comes from Lauren Codd. She says, hi boys. So many questions, but I'll keep it brief. What one thing do you, do the angels need to improve to make a push into the postseason? Trent touched on this too. I agree 100% with Trent rush. How on point was Trent Rush, Daniel? Like, he was saying pretty much what we've been saying all year long. The bullpen and the starting pitching, considering all the injuries, has actually been really yeah. good. Yep. It's been the offense's inconsistency yep. to yep. score yep. runs. The offense has to be it, right? The offense has to be it. Um, again, you like how you're, what you're seeing right now from Calhoun. Um, if they can get, you know, Valbuena going at least a little bit and being some kind of power threat. Yeah. Otani's back, DHing right now. So, again, if he gets going – it's another lefty power bat that you have. Um, offensively, it's going to come down to them. Um, yeah. Um, you're, they're getting healthy in the pitching aspect of it. So, again, um, Dak McGuire's not terrible. You can put him in the bullpen, and he can be your um, long guy. <coughs> you can have Tropiano, Skaggs, Heaney, Berea. We didn't even talk about Jaime. For a 21-year-old, he's having a great year. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, exactly. So, you, people are getting healthy at the right time, and if the offense can pick it up, um, they can make a push. Again, I don't know the likelihood of them making it. If you look at fan graphs, um, they have them at a three, 2.9% percent of making the playoffs. So, But you never know. You never know. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. So, again, uh, you hope you hope that something can go and they can get on some kind of hot streak, maybe 12, 10 out of 12. You know, uh, eleven out of fifteen kind of kind of roll that would help them a lot. So at the back end of this question, said my coworkers want to know when we can see the rally bus. Yeah, Chris, so we got to figure out a tailgate. Hey, and maybe even Eris can can touch on when can we see it at uh, Inland at Empire. Sixers. Well, that's a fantastic question. You can see the rally bus if you're in Riverside and you drive on Hillside Avenue. We just gave out the location of the, my house. 
Um, but better you uh, than me. As the summer months, uh, you know, we're in the midst of the dog days of summer. It is pretty hot in the rally bus, as you guys can attest to. Um, so, uh, as far as the uh, next day at the stadium, um, I don't know. We haven't really talked about it. Probably like a big Saturday day. Saturday, like, like in August, head, maybe, or something like that. Yeah. A bobblehead day. And I maybe know we're look- working with another fan page right. of doing like an end of the year fan appreciation day. Um, which is usually a Saturday. To, yeah, but we should be able to get one out before that. Yeah, too, and thinking. and we're also um, you know probably going to be at the 66ers coming up, and um, depending of uh, yeah where you're located, if we get a if we get a consent from Aris, yeah, or, um, depending on where you're located, Lawrence, baseball, depending if you're an IE person or if you're an yeah, Orange County um, person, our hope um, would be to actually drive the bus within the stadium and just have it there on the at, concourse on uh, 66ers, not not Angels because no 66ers baseball. Yeah. So if you're in the Inland Empire. It'd be approachable. You could walk through it and within the grounds of a stadium, yeah. which would be awesome. And if a ball happens to go through the windshield, it's okay, right? Just it's leave okay. it there. Just, I'll leave the crack as hey, it if is. If we if 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 we do that, if we August do that, 11. if we do that, can we uh, throw out the first pitch? That's when we have to go. We'll have to wait on the answer. Oh, there we go. We could, uh, we're I have to, thrown out the first pitch at the stadium. We haven't, so this is going to so, be a, after, I don't know about this you is going to be a, a post-pod conversation that we're going to have with Ares after. Uh, I have a torto rotator after, cup, yeah. but I'm sure I can make a six. He could be the he could be the six inches. He could yeah. be the he could be the catcher. No, I'll, I want to throw the ball. <laughs> All right, so that is the end of the email question. So that's going to wrap up our show. Unless you have something else to touch on, Daniel. Yeah, just so, again, if you guys aren't following us on Instagram and Twitter, you guys don't know what's going on, so you should follow us because we have confirmed we are going to have a phone interview with the one and only Mark, Mark Gubiza on Saturday that will be airing next Thursday on the podcast. So make sure you spread the word. So I haven't run this by John, so we'll see what he says right now. I want... For our listeners, because we just, appreciate you guys so much. To say that right now. Yeah. Um, email us. Yeah. Email us a question you want to ask Goob. We'll take the best one, and we'll give you credit. We'll say, hey, this is from a fan X, and we'll ask that question on on our interview, and we'll run it next week. So, again, listen to it. Our interview is Saturday morning, so you got to make sure that you get it in Friday night. As early, soon as possible. Early, early Saturday morning, because our interview is scheduled for 1130. So, before that. Me and John will sit and we'll pick the best question. We'll give you credit. We'll talk to Goob. We'll ask him. We'll put an answer. And then we'll let you know what he says on the next uh, podcast. Cool. Awesome. That's going to wrap it up for us tonight. I want to thank Trent Rush for the uh, phone interview that he did with me uh, yesterday. I want to thank Eris for being here live and in, in studio. And uh, just the fans for listening to the show. And don't forget, allangelspodcast at gmail.com. That's, send your questions there, allangelspodcast at gmail.com. We just mentioned it right yeah. now. Yeah. Never, so. <laughs> more awkwardness. All right. <laughs> so that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. I am Johnny Maggs. I am Daniel Garcia. And you have just listened to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. We'll see you next week. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past. And the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.